Welcome to the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast with me, your host, Dr. Morgan Anderson, clinical psychologist, relationship coach, love expert, creator of the ESL relationship method, and athletic wear connoisseur. My mission is to help you raise your self-worth, have great relationships, and step confidently into the next level of your life. Each week, two episodes will air featuring expert advice, live coaching, and tips showing you exactly how to improve your life and attract great relationships. You deserve to feel empowered, secure, and loved. So buckle up and let's get vulnerable. Are you tired of investing your time and your energy into relationships that go nowhere and you know deep down the common denominator is you. You have awareness that whatever you're doing right now in relationships is not working, it's not serving you, and you are ready to take ownership of this area of your life and finally learn how to embody a securely attached, confident woman who can attract a great relationship. If that's you, I have a very special invitation I want to invite you to apply to the Empowered, Secure, and Loved program. This is a program designed to help you no matter your attachment style, no matter your relationship past, it will help you move to secure attachment so that you can show up confident, you can communicate well, you can navigate any kind of conflict, and you can create that relationship that you've always wanted while simultaneously having high self-worth and high levels of self-love. If that's you and you know that in 2022, you are ready for a great relationship and you're committed to getting there, I want to personally invite you to apply to the ESL program Use the link in my Instagram bio. On Instagram, it's at Dr. Morgan Coaching, Dr. Morgan Coaching. And the link is also in the show notes. Spots are extremely limited. So go apply now to reserve your spot and start your journey to high self worth and great relationships. Welcome to the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast. It's your host, Dr. Morgan. Today's episode is a fun one. We have a special interview that I actually did on Kelly Chase's podcast, and she was willing to share that with us. So we have Kelly Chase from season one of Love is Blind. And she's asking me all of her dating questions, relationship questions. We're going into anxious, avoidant dating patterns. At the very end, I talk about securely attached sex. There's so much goodness in this episode. We talk about um, tips on how to become more securely attached. You don't want to miss it. And if you want to connect with Kelly, you find her on Instagram. It's Chase Life with Kelly. And she also has a podcast herself. So make sure you check that out. She is just an incredible human and someone that I'm really glad I've had the privilege of speaking with. So you're going to love this episode. Stay tuned. And of course, if it resonates with you and you're going, oh my gosh, I need to do the work. It's time for me to 
make sure that I can become securely attached. I need help. I can't do it myself. I want to invite you to apply to the Empowered Secure Love Program. We have limited spots here in October. So this is a great time to join. Spend the holidays healing the relationship with yourself instead of feeling alone, instead of feeling stuck. It's a wonderful time to be part of our community and do the work in the program. Without further ado, I hope you enjoy this episode. And of course, you know, I'm wishing you high self-worth, great relationships. Enjoy this episode. Oh my goodness. Hello. Hello. We have such a special guest. I actually was just recently on her podcast and I was like, she starts telling me, you know, obviously like what she does and what she's all about. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm like so into all of this stuff. Um, many of you have maybe read the book attached. That'll be a little hint as to where this conversation is going to go. Um, but let me introduce you to this amazing woman that, like I said, I just recently found she found me on a little show called love is blind i think but <laughs> yeah <laughs> she's following me a little bit longer but um yeah so dr morgan anderson she is a clinical psychologist and relationship coach so welcome to the show kelly thank you so much for having me and i so enjoyed our conversation on my podcast everything just felt so aligned and yeah, I have so much respect for you and your journey. And I'm so excited for you with your show and the way that you're really helping people and making a huge impact. So thank you for having me. You're so welcome. You're so welcome. So I mean, first things first, like, I, I want to know more about you, like as a person, like, okay, obviously you are doing wonderful things and helping. Do you only work with women or do you do women and men? At this time, mostly women, although I do take some one-on-one male clients that I'll coach. So I love working with men as well. In the future, I'd love to expand in that way. But right now, it's been primarily focused on serving women. I love that. I love that. So how did you like, where did you grow up? Like, what was your, did you always know you wanted to be like a therapist of some sort, like, or have other, other dreams? (laughs) (laughs) I love this. Thank you for asking. So I'll try to just hit the high points. Um, but I mean, I knew from a very young age that I wanted to help people and I would say from middle school, I knew that I wanted to be a psychologist which I know is rare, but I was like the girl on the playground who didn't want to play with people. I just wanted to sit one-on-one and hear my friends' stories and get to know them and support them. And even from that young age, I just wanted to help people and like deeply know people. Mm. And I did have my own experiences of childhood trauma and I, I lost my mom at a very young age. I was six years old. Mm. And I think that really put me in this like, helping place of wanting to help other people because I knew how how painful it was to go through loss and trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, so at a very young age, I just knew I just want to help people. Yeah. And then started the path of becoming a clinical psychologist. It's a long journey. It's a lot of schools, 12 years of college total. Um And I was two years in, had a beautiful private practice in La Jolla, California. And I was seeing about 30 clients um, a week, working a ton. Mm -hmm. And I just had this deep feeling of, I need to help more people than this. Like, this is just limiting how I can show up. Um, 
And then this little like dream of, okay, what if I was a coach? And, you know, that was a dirty word in clinical psychology at that time. And um, I told some of my colleagues, they're like, you're nuts. Like, what are you talking about? But I just knew I wanted to get the message of healing and attachment theory and um, basically reclaiming your power and having great relationships, no matter what your past relationships looked like. I just wanted to get that out to as many people as possible. Mm. Um, and the thing that that led me down the relationship path, I was getting my doctorate in clinical psych in Portland, Oregon. And my second year, I met someone who I thought was going to be my soulmate, my forever person. It started out like a fairy tale, which I now know is love bombing. And I was in a year and a half long relationship with a narcissist and it ended in a police report. It ended in me hitting my lowest mentally, emotionally, all the things. Um, And I sort of just picked myself up and I said, I may never have a great relationship, but I'm going to figure out why this happened. I am going to understand why and I'm not going to date again until I get it. Um, And then that's when I devoted my career to attachment theory, relationships, couples therapy. Um, Mm. Yeah, I became an expert because, you know, we usually get into these helping professions because we need to learn what we needed. Right. Right. And then my goal with creating the program that I have now is I wanted to create what I needed in my early 20s, as I was coming out of that relationship with a narcissist and rebuilding my life. Um, Yeah. So that's me, Kelly, in a nutshell. Yeah. I mean, I have have, have questions. I have questions. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, going back to your, you said your mom passed away when you were six, correct? Mm -hmm. And that was kind of like the catalyst to you wanting to Yeah. Yeah. Did it seem, did you ever just through your journey of your own healing and everything, was it ever like brought to your attention? Like, you know, that's like your, like you went into like fixing mode after that because you, you know, you lost control of the situation Mm -hmm. help your mom. Um, yeah. Can you expand on that? Like how that was for you, that healing journey around that? Yeah. And I, I don't talk about this very often because it's kind of complicated, but she, so she actually had a traumatic brain injury at that time and she went into a vegetative state. So at, at six years old, that happened. And then, um, when I was 25, so 20, about 19 years later, um, she passed away. So I, I lost her twice in, in Mm -hmm. two different ways. Um, and I just say that, I lost her at age six because it's so much easier. But here I am being vulnerable with you on your show. I'm I'm telling you all the story. But, um, you know, absolutely. I had so much pain that I didn't want to face that it was so much easier for me to just help other people. And yes, it came out of I want to help other people. But for a long time, it was also because I didn't want to help myself and I didn't want to face my own loss and my own pain. Mm, yeah. How did that affect your like relationships? You know, what you were. Yeah. Oh, every person I dated was a project. 
every person I dated needed my emotional support. And I was their therapist and their motivator and their mother. And I was just giving and giving in my relationships and I could not receive. And this looked like dating very emotionally unavailable people again and again. And Um, People who were married or who, you know, simply could not show up in the relationship. People with avoidant attachment, which we'll talk about. Um, And then obviously, ultimately dating someone who was very, very um, ill and and was a narcissist. Mm -hmm. And part of what got me to that relationship is he had such a caring family and his family kind of adopted me, his mom and dad. And I just really, really wanted that family. So Uh, mm. there was so many ways that by me not dealing with that wound, it just hurt me again and again and again and repeated so many toxic relationship patterns until, like I said, it ended in a police report. And I remember just being like on my knees in the hotel lobby or not the hotel, my apartment lobby where I lived and the policeman is there And it was just this wave over me of, I can't live like this. I cannot be in this pain in my relationships. How how could I be completely isolated from family and friends? My lowest emotionally, like hating myself, all because of this relationship that I stayed in. And I just knew I couldn't do that again. And that I needed to help other people figure it out too. And then from then on, that's when I committed my career to helping people heal and have great relationships. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Well, I mean, obviously that was a very pivotal point for you, you know, and there's so many, I mean, I see it too. I see it, saw it in myself for a long time as well, but like, I feel like there are some people that never get that tap on the shoulder to be like, something needs to change. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, or they get the tap, but they ignore the tap and then they keep just staying in these, you know, these repetitive cyclical behavioral patterns and, you know, and then they're like, why am I getting treated this way? Like, what, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. what do you say for those people that are, can't get unstuck? I think it's, and I know you'll agree with this, Kelly, but it's like sometimes the things that we're doing to distract ourselves and to numb ourselves, whether it's, you know, Netflix or shopping or whatever we're doing to numb and distract that those things are just really keeping you stuck and you actually owe it to yourself to stop numbing and to feel the pain that you're really in Mm -hmm. and to go there because you actually need to feel that pain and you need to see the version of you 10 years from now who didn't change anything. You need to connect with her and then you need to say, okay, I am in pain and I need to change. Yeah, absolutely. And I hope that it just takes that awareness for people. Like I always say, I hope it doesn't take that rock bottom like it did for me and other people I know. For for some of us, though, that that is what it what it is. We hit rock bottom. But hopefully you can just feel into what is the pain that that you're in that you're avoiding and how can you use that to help you change? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I totally do agree. (laughs) I definitely do. What was like interesting too, for me, like, and why I asked that was because I was stuck in that for like four, four and a half, five years, almost like just, you know, after the, my 
it sounds so crazy. And I'm like, my last relationship was like 10 years ago. <laughs> like long-term relationship. You don't look old enough for that to be possible. I'm just going to say. It sounds absurd. Like I'm like, oh my God. Or it was nine years ago, technically. I guess next year yeah. it was 10 years. But I'm like, let's pray for a relationship with me now and next year to break that 10 year streak. Um, but like I had lost myself so much in that relationship. And I didn't get that nudge from the universe. Like, oh, something needs to change. I just like kept distracting myself or or I went into full distraction mode of like, okay, I'm just going to like work multiple jobs. And I was binge drinking my face off. Like, and that was it. It was just constant for years. Like I said, it was like four and a half, five years. And then I finally, it would, I mean, I don't, I mean, I do know what it took, but like, I had to like leave a job. I had a, a thing, a fling for a coworker going on. And then it like, it stopped. Like we, you know, we weren't hanging out anymore, but we worked together for like another year and a half after we like stopped Mm. hooking up or whatever. And, but I was like pining, couldn't, could not move on. And I sat, I mean, it was a small office. I sat across from the guy, like, Mm. I couldn't get over him. And like all my friends were like, Kelly, like, obviously he doesn't want to date you. And I'm like, I know, but like, I just constantly trying to prove myself of like, yeah, but I'm the cool girl. We can be friends, like all this stuff. And, you know, that was probably the, you know, what is it? The camel, the straw that broke the camel's back in a sense. Cause like it was finding someone else on social media. Honestly, it was like a hot guy on social media came into the picture and he was like, he had graduated from IIN, the, you know, the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, which I had graduated to um, also from. And I just like started like looking at his stuff. And this guy was like talking about journaling and meditating, like reading. And I was like, there's no guy in Atlanta doing that, like, or no guy in my world doing that. And so I started to lean in and I was like, Andy's attractive, like, okay. And we like connected or whatever. And it started to just like, I swear he was like my little like guardian angel messenger that like I needed that he was my tap on the shoulder. And I like left my corporate job so that I could be away from the guy and like all the things, but it took that mm. to like, I had to completely like 180 my life. And, and I did like 2018, I completely went full, like dove into personal development and was like, I'm not dating. I am just focused on me right now. And it pushed not to say it pushed friendships away, but I grew, I grew very distant because my behaviors of binge drinking, I wasn't doing that anymore. And I wasn't avoiding, I was sitting there learning and tapping into myself and listening and communicating with my inner thoughts. And it was just wild. Like, obviously that's why, where, why I'm here today, because it, it's, it's so, such a beautiful experience. And I'm like, I just want to share this with everybody now. (laughs) I love that story, Kelly. I didn't know that about you. And I just really appreciate you sharing that. And I think it's a beautiful example too of sometimes relationships come in and they're just there to show you that there is something better. Like it might not be that person, but they're just there to show you like, hey, you can have a different kind of relationship. Absolutely. So I love that you share that people need to be more aware that you can have a relationship like that. That's just meant to come into your life Mm -hmm. to open your eyes to something different. Totally. Yeah. And now, and now it is, you know, I've obviously done a lot of like manifestation work around like my dream partner and how I want to feel. And so it just, it brings awareness to like what you will and will not accept and what you're wanting. And, you know, yeah, of course I get bummed when 
it doesn't work out with a guy, but then I'm like, okay, I get the bummed. I stay there for a minute. And then I'm like, okay, but this is exciting because wow, it's just directing me to like the next best thing. And this is great. This is exciting. It may not be tomorrow, but it may be in seven years, <laughs> but yeah. it's getting me closer to actually what I'm wanting and, you know, the type of person yeah. that is going to show up for me the way I'm desiring them to. And you're no longer seeking out partners who are going to kind of touch your wounds and who are going to repeat patterns, right? Because we talk about in clinical psych, um, this is actually Freud originally. There's not many things that I love about what he taught, but like this is one of them. Um, He had this concept of repetition compulsion. Mm. You're just unconsciously repeating these relationship patterns. And there's this, this unconscious wish that you would have a different outcome But it's not even about that person. It's about, could it make up for all the pain of your past? Like finally you can, you can get that unavailable person to love you. Mm. And that's going to mean that you're enough. And it's going to somehow make up for all the pain that you had leading up into that point. So that's why we repeat those patterns. We just want to say, oh, I am enough. But obviously doing this work, all the healing you've done, you realized, oh, I can give that to myself. I don't have to repeat my patterns again and again. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Because there's so many of us. And again, I've been in this situation. It's like, well, why not me? You know? And like, that was like that when I, you know, hung out with my coworker and then I like, you know, we didn't not have a relationship at all. I mean, like, you know, it's, it's like the golden, like response. I can't give you a relationship. I'm not looking for a relationship right now. And then like three months later or three weeks later, it's like they're in a relationship. And I'm like, well, what was wrong with me? Because you just told me you couldn't be in a relationship. So what is wrong with me? You know? And then we spiral into that. Like what's wrong with us? And geez Louise, like I had a, a conversation actually fairly recently with a guy that I dated in the past, but never had that closure, I guess. And we're friends now or whatever, but I was like, you know, you telling me that you, it was the same scenario. You didn't want a relationship, couldn't give me a relationship. And then a few months later, you were in a relationship with someone else. So it was like, when you tell me it's not about me, there is something about me that is not aligned for you. And I need to know what that is. (laughs) I want to know what that is. And honestly, he was just like, I mean, I never wanted to tell you this because this is something you're so passionate about, but I don't believe in what you do. And I was like, yeah, that's a big problem. That's a big problem. I was like, and then I start pulling up all these things. I'm like, how do you not believe in what I do? I was like, you have seen me go from like insecure to like highly confident and like be more responsive versus reactive. Like, what do you, what do you mean? You don't believe like I am proof that what I do works. (laughs) What? And he was like, well, I just am saying like, not necessarily what you do, just like the whole like mindset coaching industry. Like I think it's very like, you know, people like sell their cars and their homes to like invest in like a $10,000 coach and then they lose all their money, you know? And I was like, well, I mean, I get it, but like, we could also do that in anything that we do. Yeah, that I mean, it's such a good example of, I think sometimes we have that curiosity. And we just we want to know the answer because we think it's like something that was wrong with us, something that we did. Right. But it's like, clearly, that's just like who he is and like what he values. And it just wasn't aligned with what you value. 
And neither one of you is wrong, right? It's just like, there's just that lack of compatibility. Um, And this is one of those beautiful times where rejection is redirection. And you deserve that person who's like, hell yeah, Kelly, I love what you do. I'm so inspired by you. Like, let's go. Yeah, you know, and that person is there. So you need to be with, you deserve to be with somebody like that. Exactly. 100%. Yep. Yep. I know. But it's so funny too. I like met someone recently. Um, like he even, he told me that he was, he was like six years younger than me too, but he was telling me like, yeah, I've had like a health coach, a life coach, business coach. I've had a relationship coach. I've gone on a sex retreat, like all these things. And I was like, come again. What, who are you perfect man? And then, um, he also tells me, he's like, I have like my dream partner list, like in the notes in his phone. And I was like, yep, you're my person. And so he's like, he's, he shows it to me and he's like, do you have, do you have one? And I was like, actually, I think I do have it in my notes too, in my phone. So like, we're comparing notes. We're looking at each other's phones, like comparing our notes. And in my head, I'm like, yeah, this man is like so aligned. Like perfect, yeah. like to a T almost. And I think the same, like I was reading, obviously and I was like, that's me. You're talking about me right now. But it was funny. He's like totally from a different country. And I was like, well, that's maybe we should both add that to our list that we need to live by. <laughs> Cause yes. I'm not trying to, I mean, yeah. whatever unfolded would have unfolded, but like, I really am creating someone that I could call and watch TV with every day if I wanted to not do this long distance thing. Like that's not my thing. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And that connection is, you know, another sign from the universe that what you want is out there, even if it's not him, it's that evidence just reaffirming that, Hey, it exists. Yeah. I grew up in Montana, so I know what you mean about like not being around these kinds of people, yeah. you know, and you have to kind of intentionally put yourself out there and, and get that, that evidence that, yeah, it does exist it regardless does. of where, where you're from. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So let's talk about attachment theory because that, I mean, I learned about attachment theory. I want to say maybe one of my former coaches brought it up, but we didn't dive into it. Um, and then another relationship coach that I, you know, became friends with, she was like, Hey, I would suggest this book for you. And so I read the book attached. Um, but even then still, I probably have to read it like five times in order to like really consume the, you know, embody the information. Yes. Um, but with that said, I know there's a lot of people that probably have never heard and they're like, this is, I've never heard of this. So let's, I definitely want (laughs) to explain what attachment theory is and why it's so important to understand this information, how you can implement it to make yourself more secure in relationships. (laughs) I love this, Kelly. And I just want to, you know, make this as helpful as as possible to your audience. Um, And I think one of the things people always tell me when they learn about attachment theory is it's the missing piece to the puzzle for them. And it is one of those things that once you really learn it and you do embody it and you learn how to move towards secure attachment, it is a complete game changer in your dating life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had that experience and I, you know, I, I read, uh, I'm in my, my clinical psych classes and actually attachment theory wasn't really talked about in my mm-hmm. doctoral program. It's not really talked about as much as it should be. Right. I'm trying to change that. As, personally. Most, things, as most things are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And 
I just remember thinking I'm in these classes. I'm like, why are we not having like seminars on this and like whole courses? And it's just, it is so powerful. So anyways, to get into it, if you took Psych 101, you might remember John Bowlby and Mary Ainsworth and the baby monkeys. Is that Riggedy Bell? That's Riggedy Bell, actually. (laughs) (laughs) So that was the very beginnings of attachment theory in the early 1950s. And they were studying baby monkeys and the reaction with their mothers and when their mothers left them. And what they found is that when they took the mother away, the baby monkey would prefer to have a blanket that reminded them of their mother, they would prefer that over any kind of food or special treat or anything you could give this monkey. They wanted to feel like they had their mom. Mm -hmm. That was the very beginning of attachment theory. And then from there, obviously, we have attachment theory that is applied to parent-child relationships. But then we have what I have specialized in and what has changed so many people's dating lives, which is attachment theory in romantic relationships and how it's showing up in your romantic life. And before I get into the different styles, I just want to clarify that it really is a framework and that there's basically a unique attachment style for every person. So I don't want to ever put somebody in a box. Mm -hmm. There's probably one style that you spend most of your time in or that you hang out in the most. But all of us have different pieces from each attachment style, different strategies. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So... And I do have a quiz actually on my on my Instagram. And one of the reasons why I like the quiz that I did, I'm not trying to plug myself, but, um, (laughs) but you know, but I like it because we give you percentages of each style. It's so a lot of the quizzes are like, oh, well, you're anxiously attached. Mm. But I I feel like it's important to know, like, well, no, I have all these different strategies, right? I, so, I, I can agree with that. Yeah, not to interrupt you. Yeah. But, I mean, I obviously have become more secure based on obviously what I've been doing and learning. But I was more mostly anxious, but I recognize there are avoidant tendencies in me for okay. sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so that's why I mean, and you read attached, and even Amir Levine himself, you know, Dr. Amir Levine, he'll say now that. He wishes that he would have painted the picture that people can move a bit more. But a lot of the research says like, nope, you're anxiously attached. That's what you are. Mm. Accept it. You're never going to change. And one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about what I do is I know from my own experience and from hundreds of clients I've helped, I know people can become securely attached. You can embody secure attachment no matter what you've been through. So for me, it's really important to be that that voice mm. when it comes to attachment theory. I love that. So to get into it, obviously, I'll just start with anxious attachment. And with an anxious, there's four different styles. So with anxious attachment, you are prioritizing the relationship above your needs. Okay. And you have fears of abandonment. Mm. you're the person who you're not getting that text back and you're counting the minutes like 
Oh my gosh, it's been 25 minutes. Oh my gosh, it's been 24 hours. Oh my gosh, it's been 78 hours. Like <laughs> you're the person. I'm getting ghosted. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> right? And like what ends up happening is just that fear of abandonment is so strong. And there's this belief of um, I'm going to do something wrong. You know, a lot of anxiously attached folks do devalue themselves and they put their partner on a pedestal. Um, There's a lot of difficulty trusting, fear of infidelity, cheating, Mm. you know. Um, And I think it's so important to note that this doesn't just come out of nowhere. You're not just born with an anxious attachment style. This comes from your early experiences in relationships and what you learned to be true in relationships and what you learned about how you needed to be in order to be loved. So with anxious attachment, maybe you had, you know, neglect or you had a parent who really wasn't there and you thought that in order to get their attention, I had to be really persistent and I had to be perfect. And wow, if I'm just, if I perform and I'm great, then that's when I'm going to get their attention, right? So these things develop so early on. Mm. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. the first style. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then so avoidant attachment, which is on the other end of the spectrum. This is also known as dismissive attachment style. This is where you really have learned that it's not safe for you to depend on people. And you become hyper independent and incredibly self-reliant. And there's this fear of intimacy that I'll lose myself or that I won't be able to be a good partner or that partner will let me down if I get close to them. Mm. so this is the guy you go on that great date you have a wonderful time you're like wow this could really be going somewhere and then you don't hear from them for a week yeah because you got too close and they're not comfortable with that closeness Mm. i know people are like oh my gosh like people are like yes (laughs) i've been there right (laughs) totally Yeah. And what we find with avoidant attachment is, you know, at the core, it is about that fear of I'm not good enough or that that fear that this person's not going to be there for me. But when you're on the receiving end of it, it feels so cold and it feels so hard to be with that person. because They're really struggling to emotionally connect and be there with you because it's it's so it's scary for them. Mm hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm like thinking of all the things right now. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> and then and then we have dismissive avoidant or fearful avoidant, however you want to call it, but or, or disorganized attachment style. And this is this fun mix of anxious and avoidant. Mm. And this is the most painful attachment style that there is. Interesting. And it's probably about five to seven percent of the population. And this usually does come out of early childhood trauma of some kind. This is definitely where I have fallen in the past. Yeah. Uh, you will just go back and forth 
you one day you might be anxiously attached or one moment and then you might be avoidantly attached and you really want people and you want to like really make sure you're not abandoned, but you're also terrified of closeness. Yeah. I wonder if there's parts of me in that. (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) Like, I mean, again, I've done a lot of work and everything, but where I do, I have the awareness. I'm going to be honest with you guys is that I'm like, yeah, I want this. But then I think like sometimes when I have it and it's really close, like I'm like, ooh, scary, scary. (laughs) Just because obviously, yeah, I mean, that's stuff that I have to continue to heal and work through, of course. But I tend to give myself some talk therapy. It's like, hey, it's safe to be loved. It is, you know, but not everybody has that self, you know. Yeah, this is definitely the people who they feel like they're self-sabotaging all the time. Yeah. 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 And the thing about this attachment style is it's so exhausting. I think about myself operating in that way. And I was just consumed by my relationships. And and then I would go through the whole like, well, I don't want a relationship at all. I'm just going to travel the world with my friends and I don't need anything. So the swings of, oh, I really need a relationship to I don't need anyone. Those swings are exhausting. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. See that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And then let's talk about where we all want to be. Right. Securely attached. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Healthy, um, amazing relationship. That's what we want. Yeah. We want to be able to say, my needs matter and my partner's needs matter. I can, yeah. Yeah. I can express myself and I'm curious about how they are doing emotionally, that we are a team and we're co creating a secure attachment and a great relationship together that I can depend on them and I can depend on myself, right? We talk about interdependence. Um, and this is, this is the place where we're confident in our own skin and we feel, we feel good about ourselves. We don't need that person, but we want a partner. And we realize that relationships do take flexibility in navigating through conflict and we want to show up in that and we have the emotional capacity to do it because we can trust that, wow, we can go through conflict and that doesn't mean the relationship is over. Right. And we can show up and navigate through things and we're securely attached. Um, and, mm. and when we're dating, it looks like we know our value and we state our boundaries and talk about what our, our values are. And if someone doesn't match up with that, mm-hmm. it's okay. Right. We know we know we know our worth and we know that there's an abundance of people that would be so excited to date us and people that we could build a great relationship with. Totally. Um, and it's it's right. like a relationship's adding value to your life. It's not your whole life. I um I have a quote where I talk about secure attachment is like a relationship is not your entire world, but it's your favorite country to visit Mm, yeah that makes sense (laughs) how I like to sum it up yeah 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 so this is going to be a question for my I mean my audience I can just hear them being like well how do you get someone to be secure like how do you get them to like meet you you know if you're like really love you know you love this person or you see potential with this person I know that that's a question like we're all about that 
well, what, what, what do we do? We need to, you know, that control us women. We especially love that control. (laughs) Right. So it's like, that's the question. Well, how do we get them to be more secure so that they, Mm -hmm. you know, so that we actually are together forever. (laughs) I love this question. And I think it's really important to note that you can have a couple where one person is anxiously attached and the other one is avoidantly attached but they both decide that they want to co-create a secure attachment and they both work on it and they do it. That is absolutely possible. Mm. And you can have couples where maybe it's just you and you know, I want to build secure attachment. I want emotional closeness with my partner. I want to build a great relationship. And maybe they say they want it, but their actions don't match up and they're not doing the things to create that with you. And at that point, you have to say, it's not going to work, right? I mean, you you need someone who's going to put in the work, who wants to co-create that secure attachment with you. And, and that's what you're deserving of. Yeah. Um, and I think it's, I always love this term capacity. Because sometimes it's not that people don't want a secure attachment with you, but it's that they don't have the emotional capacity to do it. They simply just don't know how and they just can't. And we have to just love them and give them compassion and just hope that, you know, they they can at some point heal. But it's not our job to heal them. I know. No fixing. (laughs) No fixing. Been there, done that. You and me both, right? Like that's not, it doesn't work. Yeah. What do you say for um people that are married, right? Like I, I come across people that, you know, whether it's people that I've been in masterminds with where, you know, they're going through their own up leveling and then they have their husbands and it's like, they feel so challenged of like, you know, or, or the fear of like outgrowing their husband or something, you know? And so it's like, they keep themselves small, although they're like desiring to feel a certain way and like excel in all these areas. Um, but obviously they want their husband to you know, do the work with them, you know, but what do you say in those situations? I mean, I, I have my own thoughts, but what do you, how do you you help people are bonded with the marriage? Like, do you tell them, well, this isn't gonna, you know, well, if you have tried all that you can, divorce is on the table, you know, at this point, like, yeah, I want to say that I just have so much compassion for people in that place. It's a really painful place. And I think that you need to start with the awareness that you, in order to live your best life and even to be the best partner, you have to honor yourself and you have to honor your growth. Right. And relationships are exhausting when we are not our authentic selves. When parts of ourselves are dying, relationships are exhausting. And you don't want to have that for yourself or for your husband. It actually wouldn't be fair to him for you to show up in that way Mm -hmm. and to be resentful. Um, It's so much better to have that awareness of I'm changing, I'm growing. And ideally, I want you to grow with me Mm -hmm. and to say, guess what? We can redefine our relationships. That's that's what I call it. It's an opportunity to redefine your relationship. It starts with you, with you modeling. You want to model what, what change, not just, you don't just want to talk about it. Like I'm going to do this and I'm headed this way. Don't talk about it. Just model it, get there. 
invite them to grow with you and verbally tell them what that looks like. Mm, right. Or so there's no like weird expectations or assumptions or lack thereof. <laughs> we are so bad about this in relationships with people we're close to. We want them to read our minds. We want them to be so attuned to us and just know they don't. don't. They don't know. You have to have those conversations and you have to say, look, this is what it would look like for us to grow together. This is what I need in order to feel securely attached and to build this relationship together. This is what I need. Can you meet me there? Yeah. And then I always tell people you need to set a time boundary on this. Yeah. Otherwise we become a broken record and we're having that same conversation over and over and over So you have to say, you know, my time boundary on this is to see some change within three months, six months, whatever your time boundary is, but be honest about it. Yeah. Yeah. And if they're straight out the gate, like, no, that doesn't sound like something I want to work on. (laughs) Like, Then you have to say it's better to be honest up front and to acknowledge that we're growing in different directions than for me to get to rock bottom and kind of, you know, have this slow progression of feeling like, you know, parts of myself are dying and get to a place where resentment, resentment, right? It's better to have those conversations up front and come to that understanding and make that decision intentionally than to do it out of a place of survival and desperation. Mm, Absolutely. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh, that's so I'm like, when you said that, it's like a part of my like emotions just like flared up. I was like, oh my God, like that's, <laughs> uh, that's so, yeah. Like, and I mean, honest, I mean, yeah, you're right. I like that true, honest communication being up front and just communicating. I mean, it is the hardest, yeah. most simplest thing that we can all do, you know, but it's so hard exactly. to be so vulnerable and, you know, express your boundaries and respect yourself. Yeah in the process of all of that while respecting them, you know, too. Absolutely. And Kelly, you know, I have been a couples therapist for years and some of the most profound couples work I did was uncoupling and helping people, helping people end their relationships in an amicable way and in a way where they wish each other the best and there's peace. Mm -hmm. And it was the thing that was the best for both of them. And there's no shame in that. I hope we're getting there as a society. Are are we there yet? I I know. That's why I'm like, it's so, so I read, um, I mean, I was raised in a household. I mean, my parents will be married 42 years this August and their, or my mom, at least her you know, her beliefs around everything. It's like, you know, you stayed married and unless they're beating you basically. And I'm like, that's not like, no, that's not going to be my story. But it was for a long time. Like I was like, I don't believe in divorce. Like, no, no, no. Like that'll never happen. And then I read, um, I want to say the four agreements in the mastery of love by Don Miguel Ruiz. And I remember like having a conversation with a guy friend of mine, cause he read it, like we read it at the same time. And I was like, I had the biggest like epiphany, like a breakthrough today. I was like, I've had this belief that divorce is not good and it's like shameful and yada, yada, yada. You know, I was like, I go, it has all changed. I was like, if you're not happy and you've done all that you can, it's okay to leave. (laughs) It is okay. That's beautiful. I have both those books on my bookshelf back here. So yeah, I think when you, when you truly understand love and relationships, you realize that sometimes 
we need to love each other so much that we say this relationship just isn't working for either one of us and it's okay to leave. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh. Okay. So with your, uh, I'm like, this could be a nine hour podcast. Um, I'm like, I'm (laughs) coupling. Let's talk about that now. Um, but about attachment theory, like what are some maybe just quick tips around anxious and avoidant? Like if someone is resonates more with the anxious and or avoidant, what are some, maybe some things that you could suggest that they do to become more secure? I love this question. And I do just want to point out that, you know, we are biologically wired that if we are anxiously attached, we are going to be so attracted to that avoidantly attached person. And in a room of a hundred people and there's one avoidantly attached person, you're finding that person, right? (laughs) A magnet. (laughs) Yeah. So your, your attachment style is really going to impact who you are attracted to. Oh. So your question is huge because what do we have control over? We can control ourselves, mm-hmm. right? So so committing to number one is the awareness, which there's Attached is a great book. I also have a book coming out, Kelly. I haven't told too many people this. Yes. You're like the first person. I love it. But it's actually called Love Magnet. Um, how to how to get off the dating roller coaster and attract the love you deserve. Wow. But, so I detail in there the steps for moving towards secure attachment because mm-hmm. that's what I needed. Because yeah. attached, it gives you so much information about what the styles are and you have that awareness. Right. It doesn't tell you how to become securely attached. Right. Yeah. Like it gives like a few pointers, but not like, yeah, like yeah. a... I need like a, I need a real good strategy. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And you know, this is also why I created the program that I did because I saw that there was nothing out there about, well, how do you become securely attached? Um, So if you're really looking to do the work that that program is helpful, Um, but awareness is the first step. Mm -hmm. Become aware, figure out what your attachment style is. Mm. Um, another thing I have all my clients do what's called a relationship inventory and you look at every significant relationship and you just think about what were the attachment dynamics here yeah and then what are the beliefs that I picked up from that relationship what are the things that I was made to believe about myself and about relationships that's a very powerful exercise. Yeah. So I would tell your tell your audience start there. Get your get your Kleenex out. Get your self care ready, and just like do a relationship inventory. Mm. It's a very powerful place to start. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, and then it's all about in the moment. You know, we talk about stimulus and response. Once you have this awareness, how can you start to respond intentionally? And embody that securely attached version of yourself and actually become that version of you and align with her yeah. in the moment. Mm, which yeah. is the hardest part. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really hard part. I will say that because I have had, um, you know, obviously, like I said, I haven't really like had a significant relationship over the last handful of years. And even with guys, like, I'm not dating enough to like practice. I feel like also I'm not, I haven't been dating enough to practice what I have been learning. And I said this to someone the other day, actually, I was like, you know, I've learned all this stuff and I preach it. I could preach it all day, Mm -hmm. but 
I haven't had as much practice to like utilize it myself. So like, are there still wounds or things that I need to progress in, heal, whatever. And, but I'm not giving myself the opportunity to challenge myself or, you know, challenge myself, but like play the game. (laughs) I love that awareness, Kelly. I'm so excited. You have to keep me updated as you're practicing. I have to go on all the dates. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Go on the dates. Um, and then talk to me, but it's a beautiful awareness to have because I think so often we're like, well, I'm just going to wait till I'm fully healed. You and I know that doesn't exist. It's a false ideal. There's healing that we do that we can only do in relationships. Yeah. There's a lot of healing we do that is outside of relationships. It's just for ourselves. Mm. But then there's these corrective emotional experiences that we get to have in relationships. And you and your audience and everyone, you know, you deserve to allow yourself to have those corrective emotional experiences within relationships. Mm, so I love that. that. Yeah. That's exactly what I'm looking for. (laughs) It's funny too. Cause like I, and again, it's my awareness around this, but where some of my anxious attachment style was showing up or past behavioral, whatever we want to call it. Um, there was a guy that went on a date with, but the date was not a date. Like we're thinking it was a date to basically have the conversation. Like we are not aligned for each other. Like Mm. we were, we were friends, we're friends and, but we were getting like flirtatious and whatnot with one another. And then, so, I mean, I was just like, Hey dude, like, let's have like a phone call and like, let's talk about this. Cause we like have the same friends and all that. So it's like, we, neither of us want to make it like weird, awkward. So um yeah he was like why don't we go to dinner instead and I'm like okay first of all like like I knew he wasn't going to take me to dinner to be like actually I do like you you know like I already knew the tone of the conversation through our text messages right but it was like so mature of him to like take me to dinner and for us to have that very mature conversation of like hey I know what you're wanting I'm not ready for that yet or I can't give you that um and for me to be like yeah and I'm not gonna settle also like I'm not going to you're right. Like I'm up here. If you're not ready to fly with me, like this isn't going to work kind of thing, you know? But I think because it was so like, again, just like, it was almost like so attractive that he did what he did. Right. And I recognize like, you know, two to three months afterwards, like within two to three months afterwards, every time I saw him, things like that, like I would find myself like maybe texting him later or something to like he clearly said, no, this isn't going to work. I agreed. No, this isn't going to work. But there was a part of me that was still like, but can it <laughs> like, that was so attractive that we had that conversation and like the way it was done. And although we both were like, no, like it was still like, you didn't choose me. Like, why don't you choose me? So, you know, I got butt hurt and I like had to like pull away and like stop. Like, like I knew like, different functions that he may be at. I'm like, Kelly, don't go because you're in the back of your head. You're probably like, well, I'm, I'm more so going because I get to see him, not because you really want to be at the thing. So take a step. I love that you're talking about this and just the awareness and being able to say, you know what? I need to save my energy for people who really do want a relationship, who are ready, who want to invest in me. 
Uh, I always say to my audience, you don't want to water plastic plants. Yeah. No matter how much you water it, it's a plastic plant. Like you got to save your energy for the relationship that can really grow. Totally. But even noticing like there's that like wounded part or the old patterns that's like sneaky Mm -hmm. that you just you have to be aware of it, though. And, And yeah, distance. Yeah create the space you you know this create the space in your life for the good you desire for what you really want and you may think that that little dm conversation or the occasional instagram like or that you know hey what up text like every once in a while you may think that's nothing but psychologically and emotionally it is and it's it's taking away your energy oh for sure what's really meant for you like mute like like I didn't like unfollow, but I like muted him for a little while so that I couldn't see his stories. And even a friend, like a mutual friend, like they're really good friends. And so I like had to mute like her account too. Cause I was like, they're always together. Like, I don't want to see her stories either. Like I just can't. And I've unlike muted now cause it's been a couple of months, but yeah. if, if at any time, like I feel triggered cause I'm still like attracted to him, but I know that's just like the, that little wounded part in me still. That's like, mm-hmm why didn't he choose me? Like, you know, <laughs> but although, you know, I mean, granted, had he been like, yeah, Kelly, I want to date you. I'd be dating him most likely. Like, cause I was choosing him. It just, for him, yeah. it's not going to work. I was like, you're right. It's not. And not you're, you're teaching, <laughs> you know, with your actions, not your words, with your actions by doing this, you're teaching him how to treat you. And you're, you're teaching people, look, this is what I'm available for. This is what I'm not available for. Mm-hmm. So let's say he does his work and gets through his shit and you know what, whatever that is, Kelly. And, yeah. and then he's like, I'm so ready to emotionally invest in a relationship, Kelly. Like I've done this work and I really want to go out with you. Like you then had the boundaries that created that possibility. So that's why hold the space. Like if the space is empty, thank God that it's not being filled by somebody who doesn't belong in that space. I agree. Mm -hmm. I know. I know. That's so, so important too. Cause I, and that's another like distraction method too, to like, get ourselves out of the like Ooh, girl you know it is how how many of us have those relationship <laughs> distractors like just the the situationships yeah. or whatever I, you know what I, I mean? definitely have them and you know it, it's funny too because I was talking like I said I had another uh, friend who was a relationship coach and she was I asked her one time I was like can I have like like can I have like a friends with benefit situation with someone while also looking for the other, like the person that is actually wanting to be with me and all the things. And she's like, you can, you just have to be very careful about that. She's like, you can have that fun. She's like, but it has to only be that. As soon as you start getting those feelings, you got to back away. Like, because otherwise that is not going to be a healthy situation. And then you're going to stop focusing on what is actually meant for you because you're going to be so focused in and your feelings about that. And I was like, (laughs) And you have to be so honest with yourself and know yourself and say, well, if physical intimacy to me means that there's emotional investment, like I just have to be honest. I mean, I think I was in denial about that for years. Like, you know, I can just have fun and it's just going to be fun. But the reality is my heart didn't feel that way. I know. And I think it's so hard for us to be honest about that, you know, and, um, 
but but some I think some people actually can so like the more power to you like if you yeah. if you can do that great I think it's just that honesty though and like you know yeah, no, I agree. Well, it's always like, okay, Kelly, can you think like a man? Can you think like a man and compartmentalize this? Like, yeah, catch like, flights, not feelings. Like that was like my old saying. Yeah. Yeah. And like, why or how can guys like have this? Like, I, I feel like it's a gift for them. Like, how can they just like not get emotionally like involved with someone? Or, or is it actually like in a, part of the avoidant attachment style and they're like well I would like to like her but I can't because this and I don't know like or if they're just like it's such wow. a fascinating thing <laughs> girl we could talk for a long time because you like <laughs> there's a whole thing with that of okay why is the sex so crazy good with somebody who's avoidantly attached right it's because it is the only kind of intimacy that they're allowing into the relationship yes. So when it does happen, it's like crazy because right. it's like, that's the only time you actually feel connected to them. Wow. Yeah, that makes sense. Wow. I know all the women are like, dang it. Yeah. I like that friends with better benefits situation. Dang it. Yeah. Well, it's just like, I mean, obviously like I've had that situation. I'm like, oh my God. And what's interesting so the guy I met that I was like, yeah, he like my perfect yeah. soulmate guy. When he was telling me, like he was talking, telling me all about this, like sex retreat he had been on. I was like, every guy, every guy should have that. Like he like learned all these like techniques of how to be intimate with a woman and to like actually please her. Connect and please. Yeah. And I was like, dude, he, he was like, I mean, God, like, unless you like learn how to like, no one teaches us this stuff. We're just trying to figure it out and I'm like you're right nobody does nobody teaches us how to like be intimate with yeah. someone like holy Christmas though I'm like that is something every guy should do because then we would probably think that the guys that are very secure and very nice and the nice guys that they're really good in bed <laughs> yeah well, it it's interesting <laughs> right it's like so in anxious avoidant dynamics you have this like crazy sex that's that's this huge amount of you know tension and mm -hmm. and then in the securely attached relationships it's a different experience and what you find is that it actually deepens and improves with time because oh, okay. that emotional connection is developing and that physical connection is developing and when you're securely attached, you tell people what you want. Right, right. So that makes the sex better. So that emotional closeness is there, the comfort's there. Mm. But then with anxious avoidant dynamics, it's like as soon as there's some emotional connection, they get freaked out and then the sex actually gets worse over time. So it's interesting. That yeah. Is interesting. Wow. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. I can even like vouch for that too. Because <laughs> that is true. The more secure I become, the more aware that I become of my emotions and my needs and everything. It's like I'm hyper aware of like, wow, I thought the sex was like really good, like, you know, whatever, handful of times. But then when I'm recognizing like the guy is actually like not pleasing me the way I want to be pleased. And it's more about him. Mm -hmm. but I'm like that wasn't actually good because I didn't get the I didn't get please <laughs> yeah. it can just feel good if we're not as aware because it's the only time we're feeling connected to that person 
Yeah. That's so wild. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. <laughs> wow. I think we need to do another episode. Know, like, we'll, so we'll talk about sex next time. Yeah, exactly. I know. Oh my gosh. Um, this has been, this has been so great. And um, I mean, yeah, I love it. I love it. Cause there's the whole, I know that you and I discussed this on your podcast. I know well, we tapped into about the attachment around like how with like money too, like our behaviors. Oh yeah. Uh, relationships and everything is how we relationship with money as well. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. So we will, we'll have to do a part two. <laughs> I love that. I love that. This has been so fun. I love talking with you. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Yeah. So, okay. So tell everyone where they can find you about your program, even like plug, plug, plug away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I hang out on Instagram the most and it's just at Dr. Morgan coaching, Dr. Morgan coaching. Um, and then I have a podcast as well called Let's Get Vulnerable. Um, and it's a lot like this show. If you love Kelly's style, just conversational, real talk. Um, and then, yeah, I do have a eight week program, the empowered, secure, loved relationship program. And it's basically rewiring your brain to move towards secure attachment and then effortlessly attract a great relationship. And we've helped hundreds of women so far. I just, you know, definitely fall into that accidental heart-centered entrepreneur category of this just kind of happened. And um, it's been amazing though. And I, I love what I do. So yeah, definitely come say hi. We'd love to connect. Absolutely. Yeah. Everybody go follow her and yeah. Connect if you resonate, which I'm sure everybody does um, with something that we said today, <laughs> like definitely now you dive into her program. Cause yeah, I mean, this work, you know, we can, I always say this too. It's like, we can try and figure things out on our own, but with that extra little, you know, a program, a course here and there, or working one-on-one with someone, it is going to take you to the next level. Absolutely. And it's the time it saves you, right? Kelly, like you and I know this, like just the years that you can spend when you haven't done the work, it's like time is our most precious thing. So if you have a program that speeds up that healing for you, what a gift. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. Well, thank you so much for being on here. And like I said, yeah, we're going to have to do a part two because this was so fab. (laughs) I love it. Thank you so much for having me, Kelly. You're welcome. Thank you. You guys, thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate each and every one of you. The best way that you can thank me is by sharing this episode on Instagram, Facebook, and making sure that you tag me at Dr. Morgan Coaching. And it would really mean the world to me if you took just two minutes to leave me a five-star review on iTunes. This podcast is not free to produce. And the more that you help this little show grow, the more people will have access to this valuable information. So until next time, I'm wishing you high self-worth and great relationships. Thank you for being part of this community.